Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. There are two reasons we invited our interns to guest on this episode. First, because there really is no better resource when it comes to what kids want to know or how kids can best hear that information than another kid. Or more specifically, another kid who has just come out the other end of whatever it is that you, adult, are seeking guidance about. Our interns range in age from 18 to 22 or 23, so they've all finished puberty relatively recently, at least more recently than we have. The other reason we invited them is that this is a group of self-selected people who choose to write about, post about, and speak about puberty, which is pretty freaking cool. Oh, and the third reason we love them is that they are just so bright and articulate and fun and kind and different from each other, which you'll get a sense of on this episode, which features only three of our interns, Peggy, Lara, and Amanda who attend colleges across the country. Our guy interns are underrepresented on this podcast, but we'll talk about their views too when appropriate because they've shared them with us. Amanda, do you want to start with, was there a puberty myth that you believed when you were younger that 
you now know to be completely untrue. And what changed for you? What made you go from being sure this thing would happen to realizing that it was just a total myth? And by the way, if you don't have one at the ready, you can just pass the baton. I can give you guys an example of a colleague's puberty myth, which may spur some inspiration. So my colleague, Mary Pat Dratty, talks about in high school how her friends told her that if her boobs itched, that meant they were growing. Well, I've heard that. Have you heard that also? So that myth is still being perpetuated. Just to clarify for anyone that it does not mean that your breasts are growing if they itch. It probably means they were bound too tightly or in an uncomfortable bra, not an umbra, some other kind of bra. And it doesn't mean that they're growing. Cara, I don't know if you want to put a medical spin on that on that particular myth or if you if that's an okay explanation. Or, or you're using a soap that's irritated them or you're using a lotion or you've just shaved under your underarms and you irritated the skin there and you're itchy. There are a zillion reasons why that your boobs might itch, but growing is not one of them. Anyone else have a myth that got busted? Maybe even got busted while you have been interning with us. Mine isn't as funny as yours, but it's (laughs) just that shaving would be like a very easy and simple process. Like growing up, I was always super excited to start shaving my legs. And I remember the first time I ever shaved my legs, I stole my dad's razor and I didn't even tell anyone that I was going to shave my legs. I just did it. And then I showed my mom and I was so excited about it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. This is such a fun activity. And then I think as I've gotten older, it's just kind of changed. Like there are so many other methods of hair removal and for other parts of the body also that I kind of didn't really think about when I was first starting that process. But I think just evolving in my like processes of, you know, removing hair on different parts of my body. I think that's the biggest like kind of hump of kind of a group of misconceptions that I had going in. How many of you heard the one where if you shave, your hair grows back thicker? Yes. Yeah. And if yep. you wax at right, 100%. Okay, oh, that's I'm still scared of that. And I have known for a while that it's not true, but it's still deep down. I feel like it, it is true for some reason, but I know it's not. Oh, I always thought that was true. I know. Kari, explain it. Enlighten well, the it's group so here. amazing. Larry, you're going to be so excited to have been on this podcast for this one <laughs> nugget of information. So- The reason why the hair looks thicker when you shave is that you're cutting it essentially across the shaft of the hair and you're making just a straight across cut, okay? Which shows you the entire flat surface area of the top of the hair, right? So it looks kind of big and round. Whereas if you wax, for instance, and you pull the hair out by the follicle, when the hair grows back, it grows back with a narrow taper tip so that it can poke through the skin more easily. And when you look at it, it looks thinner because the tip is narrower. You haven't blunted it. You haven't cut it in cross section. Wow. For those of you not on video with Kara and the rest of us, you miss her gesticulating about what it looks like the hair growing back. She's like pointing at the screen as the hair grows back. Yeah. So Amanda, question for you. What advice would you have for parents whose daughters are asking for them to get them razors and shaving cream or who are complaining about their leg hair or who are kind of like, it's becoming an issue in their homes. What advice would you give parents and how to address that? 
I would say do it a little bit of research. You know, what is the most common age that girls, you know, usually start shaving? Are there any side effects to be careful of? You know, is it safe for younger girls to be shaving? And then after that, and I personally think it's okay to like shave your legs if that's what you want to do when you're young. And if that's something that makes you feel better about yourself, but definitely as they grow older, kind of help them navigate the different options because shaving is great, but there are so many other ways like waxing, laser hair removal that might be the right thing for someone. And so I think just be aware of the other options as well and make sure that your daughter is, your child is educated about that. And it sounds like you're a big fan of communication and parents being able to talk to the kid about it. Because some cultures are really not into hair removal. And so sometimes it's a hard conversation to have in a house because a kid knows that culturally their parents are not going to be super interested in the conversation. So talking about it feels better to you guys than not talking about it is my guess. There are a lot of head nods. And by the way, some homes, parents like are pressuring their kids to remove the hair and shaming their kids about their hair. Some of us may have dark hair on their bodies and have been shamed about what that hair looks like. Thank God, not by my wonderful parents. But there's a lot of shame and embarrassment about it. And kids can say really unkind things to each other about their body hair. And so... Amanda, your approach is great because it opens up the lane for conversation so that if something's going on for your kid with peers, they can come to you and say, hey, this is this is hard for me. This is upsetting. All right. Who else has a puberty myth? I'm going to sound really stupid saying this, but I started taking birth control like much later than a lot of my friends did. So I was like, I think my senior year in high school and I felt like by then I was supposed to know like what to do and kind of like what the side effects would be, things like that. And so like I got my first pack of birth control and I remember like being super excited. And I went through like the first three weeks and then you get to the last week where I guess it's like the placebo pills. And I didn't realize that like with those pills, like you either take them or you just don't take anything for that week. So I would go like the three weeks of birth control, throw away the pack and start my next pack of birth control. And I probably did this for like, three to four months. And I like would say to my mom, like, I'm not getting like any period. And I went on birth control to get a period and no one understood like what was going on. And I was like, yeah, I'm taking my birth control like regularly. And then I was talking to a friend about like my birth control and I had gotten to like that next month of like brown pills or whatever at the end. She was like, those are not like poison. Like you're either supposed to like not take them (laughs) or just like pause. And I was like, oh my God, like how would no one tell me that? Like I had no idea. And she's like, that's just something that like you're supposed to know. And like, I sound so stupid saying it, but I was like, I really had no idea that that was like something that like you either paused or like didn't take it and you didn't just keep taking like more and more birth control. So So there's there's nothing that you're supposed to know, quote unquote, right? It's like, there's always stuff. First of all, there's no stupid questions. We talk about this all the time in this group, but also there's so much stuff that like, until someone teaches it to you, you just don't know it. Yeah. I never like thought about it. No. And also (laughs) there are those packs, you know, (laughs) the information packs and boxes of tampons, the information packs with birth control pills, which basically no one reads 
or they read so obsessively that it scares the heck out of them and they don't ever read again. But I think that's really important. What I like about that story, Lara, is that you actually finally went to your mom and was like, right? Oh, but yeah. she... <laughs> But she didn't know you weren't taking the last week of pills. No, I, I didn't think that that was like part of like the explanation because I was like, I'm taking the birth control like the way I thought I was supposed to be taking it. So You know, I think that the story also applies to so many different medical interventions for things around puberty, whether it's medicine someone might take for acne, maybe medicine someone might take for their mental health. You know, they're isn't always a clear conversation or maybe there's one, but there aren't three or four or five clear conversations about when you stop and how you communicate that you want to stop and why you think you should stop or why you think you might need to take extra. And so a lot of the conversations we have about what to put into or onto your body through puberty need to happen many times over many years. So adults repeatedly check in with your kids to let them know that questions are welcome and that conflicting advice is to be anticipated. Lara, thank you for that tip. Peggy, how about you? Do you have a myth or do you have a truth, like something that turned out to be true in puberty that you cannot believe was actually true? Yes, um, I do have a puberty truth, which maybe was disappointing for me and it was that I thought that like an integral part of puberty was having your growth spurt and then I learned that like that's not the case for everybody and I was one of the people who never had a growth spurt and I'm five three now and everybody was like thrilled myself included that I got to be this tall but that was kind of like I was always told like oh it's okay like puberty's hard but like there are some upsides to it like you're gonna have your growth spurt and that was the one big thing that I was like genuinely looking forward to and then it never came I know it's so sad but but we talk about it. We talk about it a lot on the podcast that there there are these things. It's like everyone says, like, oh, don't worry, you'll grow, or oh, don't worry, it'll get better, or oh, don't worry. And like sometimes that's actually the wrong information. And you're giving kids false expectations about what their bodies are gonna do or how they're gonna feel about stuff. And you know, this image that like everyone's gonna grow to be like super tall or super, you know, there's a lot of stuff around weight that people talk about all the time with kids and puberty. So I really appreciate that perspective. You are wonderful just the way you are. If you were 4'11 or 5'3 or 6 feet, Peggy, we would still love and adore you. So no matter what height you are. (laughs) I would also say that saying things like, don't worry or maybe is maybe like the wrong language to use because it kind of implies that like, if that doesn't happen, then you should worry. And like my doctor did monitor my growth and everything like that just to make sure, but I never needed any medical intervention and I ended up totally fine from a medical standpoint. So like truly everybody's different and like puberty is weird enough as is. So saying things like don't worry can then imply that you should be worried over things that you don't need to be and like can cause undue stress. So what should adults say? Let's say your kid comes to you, right? Let, let's say I'm you, Peggy, and I'm like worried, upset, w- awaiting this mythical growth spurt that never comes. What could someone say to you as opposed to don't worry? I would say, so this is something I talk about with my mom in terms of like not just puberty, but everything. And it's called like the five minute rule. So if there's something that somebody's like, 
concerned about maybe or something about their appearance and it's not something that can be quote unquote like fixed or resolved within five minutes, you shouldn't say something. So if I have food in my teeth or like I bled through and I should put a sweatshirt around my waist to cover or change my pants, that's a really easy fix. Say something, move on. The person you say it to will probably be glad that you did. But if it's something like how tall somebody is or like what they're wearing if they're not home or anything like that, or like you don't like their hair or you don't agree with like a style choice or anything like that, don't say anything. I got like a lot of comments made to me when I was younger about being short by multiple people. So I would say like, just reiterating that like everybody goes at their own pace and like where you are is fine. Peggy, how would you advise your parents or the adults who have known you your whole life and adore you like me? How would you advise that we share sort of our thoughts with you or open up a conversation so you can share your thoughts with us when it's something that is worrying you? So if you transport yourself back to your 12-year-old self and you were worried about growing and you were thinking about it a lot and it wasn't a five-minute conversation, what would have been a good way for your mom to let you know that at any point when you were ready, she was there for the conversation? Yeah. My mom also, I remember talking about this with her and being like, I'm not having a growth spur. I'm so concerned. Like I'm not growing. I want to be taller. My mom also had the same thing where she never had a growth spur. And she just told me that personal story from her life. And that made me feel a lot better um, knowing that my mom had gone through the same thing. So I think sharing like personal anecdotes, whether it's like about yourself or a close friend or somebody that your, your child knows is super helpful. I also think that sometimes saying to me simple as like, how can I help? Or asking, how can I be there for you? Goes a long way. I feel like a lot of times, whether it's a parent or like a friend or a sibling, like they want to know like what to do, like in the situation. But like, sometimes you don't want someone just telling you like, I think you should do X, Y, Z. Like sometimes you want to come to a decision on your own and be like, no, like so-and-so like, I want help in this way. Or like the best way you can support me is by doing this. And I think that takes time, but knowing that someone's there, like when you're ready to figure out what you need is really helpful. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere, so we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra, and it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft, and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's 
It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments, you know, without sounding like a complete jerk? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast, a weekly advice show that takes your workplace dilemmas and offers you a better way forward. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. 
It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. So let's talk a little bit then about sources of information and where kids can draw their information from to feel empowered to start these conversations with the adults around them, right? Because you all have grown up in a very wired world and you have any number of resources available at your fingertips. I'd love to have an understanding of how that information impacted the way that you experience puberty and kind of some of the the secret weapons you might recommend for both adults and for the kids who are going through this sites or shows or any resources that tell you what you need to know in an age-appropriate way that you wish maybe you had used when you were younger, maybe you just wish had been available to you that now you know about and you're like, oh, my 12-year-old self would have been so empowered by this. Honestly, like I'm not just plugging it because you wrote it, Car. The care and keeping of you is so, it's such a great resource. I remember my mom got me like three of the books, I think, and it was never we never had to like sit down and she never had to give me like the talk. It was always like, these are books for you to read when you feel ready to read them. And they have a lot of great information. And if you have questions, then you can come to me or like, if you want to like even read it together, like I'm here, but if you want to do it on your own, that's also like up to you. It's your body. It's up to you to learn about it. So like, thank you, Peggy. Of course, even if it's not. Okay. Now we get to put the care and keeping over in the side. Um, <laughs> yeah. Give me like, give me things. I heard, but I heard Peggy saying something else, which is wasn't just the resource; it was how the resource was given to her, which is she was yeah, given. Yeah, it made it made me feel like I was the one being able to like learn about it by myself instead of somebody like force feeding me like puberty information and like having to have like a really awkward talk or something like that. I was just going to echo that if a child maybe feels a little bit uncomfortable talking about certain topics, it can really ease the beginning of that conversation by giving them resources and giving them time to kind of look at it by themselves before necessarily conversing with someone else about it. So they can kind of, you know, come to terms with things that might be weird or different or new that they haven't learned about yet. And then transition into like asking questions and talking to someone else about it. Do you have any recommendations for resources there? Any websites that you love, shows that you watch? I would say not necessarily for puberty, but when I was a little bit older, I'm sure you guys have heard of the TV show Sex Education or Sex Ed, I think. I kind of watched it as a joke at first, but it's honestly such a good informational and educational TV show. And it's also entertaining. So like, I mean, I kind of found that on my own. I wasn't given it by anyone, but I would recommend it for maybe a high schooler or someone a bit more mature than um, someone just starting puberty for sure. I totally There's also agree. like the sex lives of college girls, which I think came out pretty recently. And again, like similar to what Amanda was saying, like definitely for a bit older of an audience, but also 
obviously not like where you're getting like your main sex ed information from, but I do think it's nice that it's relatable for call it maybe like upper end of high school or like call it college aged kids and kind of exposes you to areas where maybe you weren't familiar or like would pose questions and kind of make you think about things in a more lighthearted way than having a sit down conversation with a parent. If you wanted to look up a piece of information about something, like you had a very focused question, is there a place that you either went when you were younger or is there a resource that you know about now that you wish you had known about when you were younger that you could go to? I think sometimes like not the best answer, but like I will go to Google and just type in my question, kind of play around and see what I get. And also definitely not something that I would have likely been comfortable doing when I was younger, but I am now very close with like my doctor who was like my former pediatrician. And so now like I often will find myself like going to her when I have questions that either like I don't feel I need to ask my parents or like just would feel more comfortable, like honestly getting like an outside source from. And I know that I'm lucky that I have that relationship where I feel comfortable doing that. But I definitely think like if you have a relationship like with your doctor and you're comfortable getting like a medical perspective, it is very helpful. Can I piggyback on two things that you said, Lara? One is how do you figure out when you do go to Google, how do you figure out whether the sources that you find are sources you can trust? Like, how do you determine that? I don't always know like whether I think like the information is super reliable. I'll try and like cross check things. So I'll look at one source, see if I find it elsewhere, talk about it with friends or my siblings or my mom. And then also like, kind of looking at the information that I'm like finding and then thinking about it more. And like, I guess it also depends on what I'm researching or like what the situation is, but like definitely just trying to like look at a variety of like sources and places and see if like I'm consistently reading or finding the same thing. I just want to jump in and do a plug for the type of content that you all have started to create which really does fill this void. I mean, I think one of the reasons we all enjoy working together so much is that there aren't very many searchable resources available. And what you've created is content that is available. I am wondering if you find some of that content on social media, particularly TikTok, which has become a big outlet of health information. And whether if you do ever use TikTok, if you feel like you can do the cross check, you know, because sometimes that it's such edutainment, right? It's lots of really fun, digestible bits of information. But personally, I think it's a little harder to figure out if it's valid or not. It's all about who the person is who's giving you the information. Completely agree. I think on TikTok, if someone's like, oh, I'm a doctor or I have this degree, then I'm like, okay, they're trustworthy. They're credible. I'll take information from them. So I think on TikTok, it's more about the credibility of the person who's creating that content, because like you said, it is harder to cross-check a random fact you found from a TikTok. Although I was going to respond to the other part of your question about, you know, if we had a child who's wanting to learn more, if there are any resources we would point them to. And I would absolutely say that the puberty portal obviously didn't exist when I 
needed it. But now that it does exist, I would definitely, I even pointed my sister towards it because she's kind of in that age. And I know she was kind of browsing around it at a certain point, but I would say that's such a great resource and it doesn't have a hundred percent of the questions that might come up, but it definitely has so many good articles about things that a child might not even know that they need. And I think that's also a benefit of having a resource that you can just freely browse because you know that anything you find on there, you know, it might actually inform you about questions you don't know that you have. I've also found myself like pointing my now like college friends to it for a variety of questions that they have, or even just some of the stories that, you know, like we've all written about like either personal experiences or stories that we have about friends or family friends, their experiences. Like I've found that sometimes just like sending an article off to a friend when I know that they're going through something has like made a world of difference for them where they can kind of relate to this person that they don't even know, but know that there's someone else that's gone through what they're going through. That's so cool. I love that. What if you want to talk to someone, right? Lara talked about her doctor, which is, it's amazing. Lara, that you have that kind of relationship with your doctor. Not everybody does. Who do you go to? Like, how do you figure out who to talk to? If you can trust that person, what does it even mean to trust someone, right? Is it that they won't tell anyone? Is it that they are level-headed? Is it that they are calm? Like, what are the attributes you're looking for? And who are the other people that you would go to for advice, guidance, or support? I think for me, at least, it's always depended on what I'm dealing with at the time. I like am also fortunate that I'm very close with my mom and also have like two older sisters and older girl cousins and then like close girlfriends. And I feel like between those different groups, I've kind of always felt like I've had someone to go to to talk depending on whatever I'm going through at the time. I think that sometimes like with puberty conversations, like uh, when you're growing up or like going through it, like you may think it's something like uncomfortable to talk about, like with a close relative. And so because of that, I think that if you have close friends that you can go to and say like, Hey, this is going on and knowing that either they're going to be there just to listen or to give you advice, that's really helpful. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who's a few years older than me, who I really saw as like a big sister. And she's someone who I totally still look up to. And she ended up being a great resource because she felt relatable. She's three years older than me. So like she had just like literally just gone through the things that I would ask her questions about. And it felt more like fun. It didn't feel so like sanitized or like medical as it would if I was maybe speaking to a doctor like Lara does. And somehow like she was able to make it fun. Like if I went to her with questions about acne, it wasn't like, oh, like this is what acne is and this is what causes it. And this is when it'll go away. It was like, oh my God, like, let me tell you about this product that I found that was so great. That helped me so much. You can try it out. Like here's where you can get it. And it like felt just like much more like normal in a weird way. Okay, so two things along those lines. So one quick mention about guys. We've had guys who are part of this group and who are our content contributors and they're not represented on this podcast. But can we talk for one second about the value of these same conversations across gender lines and independent of gender? So in a very, frankly, non-binary way, you know, talk for a second about those conversations being 
separate from gender and finding support among peers regardless? I think it's actually so helpful being able to have like cross-gender discussions. Like I have close guy friends at school and I think that like having them and being able to go to them when I want, oftentimes it is like guy advice from them, either like friendship guy advice or like maybe something more serious and like getting a male's perspective on that or even just an added perspective, like taking away gender, but possibly seeing it from a different light has like honestly been um, like amazing and has like really helped me figure out, you know, like different scenarios and situations. And I think also sometimes it's interesting to see how like guys and girls will go through similar things relating to puberty and life, whatever. And at first you kind of think that they're so different, but when you begin to have these conversations, you realize that like everyone's going through something like, yes, puberty looks different for guys than it does for girls, but they're still going through it. And there's kind of this like unity and knowing that like everyone is dealing with something together. Yeah. At the end of the day, everybody has a body and everybody's body is changing and everybody feels a little bit uncomfortable about it. I agree. And and Peggy, you don't have sisters in your house. You're the, the one on the podcast who is surrounded by brothers. And so that's something that you're probably a little bit more acute or have been more acutely aware of over the years than others. Yeah, I would say one. So my older brother's two years older and my younger brother is four years younger. Um, and I would say like, we are all pretty much like either like finished with puberty or on the tail end of it. My younger brother's almost 16 now. And I would say it was something that like, while we were going through it, we were super uncomfortable talking about it. But interestingly enough, now that we're all like more adult, we're very comfortable talking about it with each other in a very like funny way, reflecting on that time. So it's been interesting to see. And I don't know if that's like due to our age or due to like people on social media, like kind of destigmatizing puberty, but it's interesting to see how it's changed over time. What is one thing, Peggy, that you wish your brothers had said to you when you were going through puberty that maybe now they've said to you now that you're out of it or they've never said to you, but would have been really helpful to hear from them? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know what I can say here that they wouldn't like be horribly embarrassed about. Um, I would say that like, I always felt very, it's not necessarily something that they did or didn't say. I was very uncomfortable, like bringing up my period around them. And that's nothing to do with them and everything to do with me. And I would say now that it's very normal, like I share a bathroom with my brother. So I have pads and tampons in the drawer and everything. And I'm sure he sees them. Um, but it was something that I used to like, feel like had to be like, so, 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 so private. And now it's like, oh my God, like, my brother goes to college, like he lives in a dorm. There's girls there. They all have their periods. Like it just, it, it doesn't feel like something that I need to hide anymore. And I think that like also now that they're older and more mature, it's something that like, if they had seen that stuff when they were younger, I don't know what their reaction would have been. But now if I'm, and they have seen it, they are just kind of like, oh, okay. One of the things that I model, so I have a house with three sons and one daughter. And one of the things that I do is talk about having my period and like showing them tampons or leaving, you know, leaving out whatever, not a used tampon. But I wanted to model for them, not just for their sister, but also like for their friends or romantic partners or whatever, that it's like totally normal. I was once having a conversation with one of my sons 
And he was like telling me something really important, but I had just gotten home and I could tell that my tampon was about to start leaking everywhere. And I was like, (laughs) dude, I really want to hear this, but like I can literally feel myself on the verge of leaking. Like, just let me go and change my tampon. I will be right back. Hold that thought. And he was like, oh, okay. But my first gut was like, not to say anything because I didn't want to embarrass him and talk about like my tampon and my bleed. And then when I came back, he wanted to know like, well, how did you know it was going to leak? And like, what happens? And how do you deal with it? And it actually opened up a whole conversation between us about, you know, dealing with your period. And I wonder, I actually should ask him if he remembers it, but it was like one of those moments where it's like, he remembers or- it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh our really good friends have all daughters and it was just the holidays and they like peeled, like they opened tampons and they hung like unused tampons on their Christmas trees. And I thought it was so funny. Like I, they FaceTimed me and showed me, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And we told my brothers about it and they were like, what is wrong with you? Like, this is so weird, but like, it's so normal. I don't know. It was, I thought it was hysterical. You're co-opting the taboo. That's what they're doing next year. They're going to dip them in glue and glitter and hang them on their tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so speaking of products, quick um, sort of speed round on, is there a favorite puberty item of some sort that kind of came to the rescue for you? And it doesn't have to be a brand, just sort of a category, whether it's a cosmetic or a piece of apparel or a tip that someone gave you that kind of saved the day when your body was transforming and you weren't aware of how to manage certain things. Anything jump to mind for any of you? I didn't know that they made like pads in all different kind of like shapes for different types of underwear. And my cousin actually introduced me to this which was like a huge game changer. I felt cause I could like wear a pad out during the day and like not feel like I was wearing a diaper that it was like very uncomfortable or showing through. So pads are not just like really big and thick, like you might think they are. And Lara, it's important for our audience to know that you are also a wrestler who wears outfits to explain how yeah. important it is about um, the size of your pad. Like in season when I was, wrestling and wearing like a singlet, which is just, I guess you could think about it as like really tight, like bodysuit or like compression shorts. You basically see everything, like nothing's really hidden. You know, like I would never wear a pad because I was like, you can always see it. And like, I just felt very like exposed. But as I kind of was more aware of like having a lighter period or like not really needing a tampon, but like needing something like finding an alternative to those like big, thick, chunky, really uncomfortable pads, like was huge for me and like helpful, not just for wrestling, but for all sports or like, I really like to run and things like that. And it kind of just made being active so much easier. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I find there's certain underwear I can't work out in. Like if I spin in certain underwear, it's like a disaster, but like knowing that there are those kinds of impacts and having those like, I didn't know I'm an adult, I'm 45. And it took me like a month to realize that one pair of underwear I was wearing while spinning was like giving me a rash. And I had no idea. And you would think, I mean, I'm embarrassed to admit it, Car. I hope that means you don't ditch me on this podcast when I admit that like, it took me a while to realize like what was going on. So Peggy and Amanda, Amanda, what would you say is, um, what's your like, 
discovery product that was like a game changer for you? I would say face wash because my parents didn't really like, they're not super into like buying a lot of products. They're very like minimalistic in terms of beauty products and hair products, especially my mom. Like she does not own a single item of makeup and maybe one lipstick. She owns one lipstick. That is all she owns in terms of beauty, skincare, like everything. So I was never, I never had like an older female figure kind of telling me what sort of products I should be using on my hair and face. So I definitely found that out by just testing things and like observing what my friends would do. And I would say face wash, it's just a good habit from an early age, you know, keep your face and your pores clean. You're touching it all the time. I struggled with acne for a little bit and still do sometimes. And I feel that just having a clean face, even if it feels clean, even if you have acne, but like, you know, that you wash your face every day, that just is something that has made me feel a lot more confident and just clean. And so I would definitely say, you know, finding a face wash that you, that you like is something that is important for anyone of any age. Did you pay it forward with your sister? She's way ahead of me. She has, because she sees everything I do. And she also is like that kind of age group that grew up with TikTok. Like she's going through puberty with TikTok. So I actually asked her for advice. And she's oh, that's amazing. all these long names of bad ingredients that you're supposed to look for in your shampoo. And I realized that both of my shampoo and conditioner have those products and hers didn't. And so she's actually way ahead of me still. So I, which is why we're recruiting her to help write for the puberty (laughs) portal. (laughs) Peggy, what about you? What was your ultimate discovery? Uh, A period tracking app. I use the health app, but I know that they make specific ones and whether you have a regular or a more regular period, like I think that I have found it to be super accurate and gives me just like a lot of peace of mind. It's something that I don't really have to think about. And once I started using it, the best thing was I, always had pads and tampons. I would always run out of them and I would never really be so focused on when my next period was coming. But this, my absence, like a little notification being like, your period will be arriving within the next three days. And then I'll, I have the time to be like, oh my God, like, am I ready? Like, do I have the things I need? Special delivery. Can I do a little plug for period apps? Because I think they are so game changing. But just this morning, I read about a new study looking at, COVID vaccines and periods. And there has been a lot of talk about how COVID vaccines do or do not impact periods. And it was only thanks to period apps and the consent of people who were using them. So their data wasn't taken. They were asked if their data could be used, but there was a, a group of several thousand people who menstruate who shared their period app data from the three months before they got their vaccine through the three months after. And that was how some of the very first studies that have come out were able to look at the impact of the vaccine on things like how long the cycle lasts and was it interrupted by the vaccine. So period apps are not only amazing because they help you stay organized, but they are actually starting to collect data that I believe will revolutionize the way that we can look at how periods are impacted by all sorts of things that we do, which is incredibly important because it's not a lens that we've ever looked through before. So I love period apps. All right. I'll start using period app. 
add it to the list of things I should be doing that I am not doing. 30 years later. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess I should do it while I still get my period. But menopause is a conversation for another time. Not with you all. (laughs) We should actually get all your moms on here. We're going to close. Normally, our closing comments are called the practical puberty takeaway. But we're going to rebrand it specifically for this group of wonderful human beings. We rebrand it in every single episode. So you guys know. Sorry. Every episode, we do the practical puberty takeaway. We do the practical puberty tip. We do the practical puberty pearl, but they all have like weird sexual or puberty connotations. And so we like kind of never land on one. So today I'm going to ask you, this is, you're carrying a big responsibility here to the thousands of adults who are going to listen to this episode. Hundreds of thousands. Sorry. The millions of people who are going to listen to this episode who are really struggling to figure out how to support the kids that they love going through puberty and are trying desperately to find the right language and the kindest way to say things or not say things as the case may be. What is one piece of advice you would give your 12-year-old self looking back? What's something that you like struggled with that you wish someone had said to you or something you've discovered now that you're older that like you wish you had been able to hold on to for reassurance or comfort? So what's one piece of advice? And if Cara, you and I are going to do this also, even though we're much older than these wonderful people. So if you're not ready, I can start. But if you are ready, you should feel free to jump in. I would say for me is that I would tell my 12-year-old self that like your emotions are going to level out. I remember feeling like very moody and hormonal and kind of like out of touch with my own emotions, which was like difficult for me. And it was not something that I ever really talked about with anyone or nobody ever told me that like that was normal and that it was going to go away. So that like the discomfort, whether it's like physical, mental, emotional, it's temporary. That's great. I really appreciate that. I would say first, like I went through puberty a lot later than a lot of my friends. So number one, like that's totally normal and there's no quote unquote, like normal age when XYZ should be happening to you. And then my second thing would be like, your body's going to change and that is okay. And something that will take time to accept and figure out, but you may gain weight or lose weight or like your boobs are going to get bigger and it feels uncomfortable in the moment. And you look at yourself and you're like, this isn't me. And like with time, you'll get more comfortable in your own skin, but allow yourself the time to change. It's great. I would say to parents, just be careful the way that you phrase things. It's so easy to come off as judgmental when your kid says like, I want to shave my legs. Like a very natural immediate response might be, you don't have to, or like, are you sure you want to do that? Or, you know, things that might, the child is probably really fragile at that time. And just telling the parent that they're interested in learning more about something or want to buy their first bra, you know, anything really can be really, you know, that a comment like that can really make them feel down about themselves and about what they want to try. So I would say to any parent, really phrase things as like, what do you want to try? Or have you learned about this? Or would you like to come bra shopping with me sometime? Really like open it up to what your child wants and be super receptive 
and aim to teach them rather than to tell them what to do. That's great. It's great advice. I have two. I wish my 12-year-old self knew that I wouldn't always be so flat. The walls are jealous. That's a direct quote from Cara's brothers. That's not a (laughs) (laughs) self-reflection. That was the favorite line. And it's not, it wasn't always going to be true. And what I really wish is that my 12-year-old self, and this is related to something you said, Peggy, earlier, that my 12-year-old self could hear when people would say, it's all going to work out, or you're going to fill in the blank, grow, or this or that. And I wish my 12-year-old self could understand that what they were trying to say is, it's all going to be okay once you settle out, but also that it's okay to feel uncomfortable with not knowing where it's going to settle out, not knowing how tall you're going to be, not knowing if your hair is going to get curly or get straight, not knowing if you're going to get pimples everywhere, not knowing if you're going to end up you know, whatever it is that you imagine, curvy, straight, that the thing you fear or the thing that you don't fear... I wish 12-year-old me knew you get to where you get, you turn into who you turn into. And then as Lara, as you just said, and then you get good with it or you work on getting good with it. I think that's something we forget to tell a lot of the kids who are going through this. Yeah, I'll piggyback, Lara, on what you said, which is that our bodies are going to change. And even within the same household, bodies are all going to look different. And the instinct to compare ourselves to siblings or friends or what our parents were like when they were our age only serves to make us feel crappy. And so just saying like, it's about who you are, not what you look like. And no one ever ever, ever said that to me when I was growing up and I, my body was changing and I was like, what is going on? And I wish someone had just reinforced how valuable I was as a human being rather than putting the value on what I look like. And Amanda, your guidance about not being judgmental, it's something I try to do all the time for adults. It's so hard not to place judgment but it's so, so, so important to the point where now my kids mock me and like the phrases that I use when I'm not placing judgment, when I'll be like, what are some strategies that we can use? And so now I get mocked for not being judgmental, but I would rather that than make them feel crappy by judging them. So they're um, judging you for not judging great. them. They should feel excellent. I, they can judge me all day long as long as I'm not judging them and making them feel badly about themselves. So I just want to say that for me, working with you all is like one of the most wonderful experiences I've had in the last year. It's a total joy. And I learned so much from you and your honesty and your openness and your willingness to be vulnerable is a really incredible gift that you are giving, not just to me and Cara, but now to everyone listening, because you're so smart and so articulate and your advice is so right on that I think so many people will learn, will learn from it. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, people. You guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the Puberty Podcast. 
If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.